welcome to episode 17 of Scar Bearers. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon. It's great to have you here. A shout out to my friend Nate for that wonderful theme music. It always gets me in the mood to fight crime or do a podcast. Today I'm going to talk with my friend Ben Eden, a renowned speaker and life coach who discusses how a childhood trauma led him to his current professional calling. Today's sponsor is Weird Al. Weird Al, one of the first guys to publicly make fun of the popular kids and not get beat up for it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ben. Hey, welcome back to Scar Bears. This is Chris D.T. Gordon. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. I'm joined also by my new friend, Ben Eden. Ben, how are you today? I'm so good. Glad to be here. And I'm happy to have you here. Now, Ben... You and I are uh, brethren of the new podcaster club. I believe you've been doing it for about 18 weeks, I heard you say at one time. Correct. Yeah, and I've been doing it for a couple months myself. And we're both also connected because our inspiration for our podcasts uh, were born from a place of pain or discomfort. And as my listeners know, I am a survivor of necrotizing fasciitis, flesh-eating bacteria, and I had gone through a pretty serious situation and had come out the other side a better person for it. But what is the inspiration for your podcast? So mine comes from an emotional scar, or what I call emotional pain. Um, so where a lot of people have had an experience with a physical injury, which may turn into a physical scar, and it's interesting how different people talk about scars in different ways, right? I was even talking to a, a female friend of mine the other day about scars. And we were saying, yeah, the male gender generally likes to brag about their scar. They say, yeah, this is what I did when I was riding a dirt bike or whatever it was. And like, yeah, this is a cool scar. <laughs> and then she was like, well, scars usually you know, um, taint my image. So I have to cover it with makeup. But anyway, what I've learned is that when people get a physical injury, it's obviously visible. And people can see it. And then a lot of times they have the compassion and they say, oh, how are you? How did it happen? And then you get that little connection. The thing with an emotional injury is, is it's not visible. And it's not as understood many times, right? I'm not putting down any physical injury because my goodness, those are painful. But the emotional side of it, <clears throat> like I was saying, is not visible. And because of that, and we don't understand it, when that injury first happens, Many times we don't resolve it in the proper way. We don't know the doctor we should take that injury to. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to express those emotions. So what happens is it turns into an emotional scar that sticks with us for years. And then 20 years later, in my case, it's still there affecting you. My goodness. And because it's still affecting you, then we have even more emotions like shame associated with the original event. So anyway, what I did with my podcast is I said, hey, if I went through a situation that gave me emotional pain and I started to react in certain ways, I wonder if anybody else has as well. I started talking to my young adult friends and they said, bro, we all experience this. The problem is nobody talks about it. <laughs> so I said, hey, I will create a podcast to help people who can relate with my story and know that their feelings are valid. They're not alone in how they feel. Maybe they don't have to turn to those behaviors that they thought were solving the pain. 
when in reality they're just short-term pleasures and certainly not helping in the long term, and that there's hope for them after all. That's the gist of the podcast. Okay, and where did that emotional pain start? So as I was uh, becoming a speaker and a coach, I had this idea of emotional pain come to me. And I said, you really need to talk about that. I feel like I'm a God-fearing man, and I really felt like it was from God that, hey, this message of emotional pain needs to be shared. So then I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I wonder if I have a story. I mean, do I have a story that makes me qualified to talk about emotional pain? And as I was pondering this idea, I, a memory came to me when I was 9 or 10 years old in uh, elementary school. We had just finished PE. We played dodgeball that day. And I started to realize that I was good at sports. I'm naturally talented in most sports. And my friends were um, starting to notice that I was good at sports. And I was starting to care that they noticed, right? All sorts of cool things happening as a nine or 10-year-old boy. As we were leaving the gym class, my friends were laughing hysterically about something. Of course, I wanted to be a part of it. So I said, hey, guys, what's so funny? They turned to me and they said, raise your arms. So I did, and they laughed even harder. And I was like, what? So I looked down, and I realized that I had extremely sweaty armpits. Mm. And you might think, well, you just finished a game of dodgeball, so of course you'd be sweaty. What's the big deal? <clears throat> well, I was a 9- or 10-year-old boy, not knowing exactly how the body worked, and it must have been a lot worse than anybody else, because otherwise, why would my friends laugh about it? <sighs> So being a nine or 10 year old boy, I all of a sudden experienced some very new and uncomfortable emotions. I felt humiliated, embarrassed, ashamed, scared, and overall uncomfortable. So what am I supposed to do as a nine or 10 year old boy? Well, I certainly can't talk to my friends anymore because they're the ones laughing at me. I don't want to talk to my mom because I don't want to relive those memories. I just hope it disappears. And therefore, that one event scarred me because I didn't deal with those emotions in the moment. Um, and you might think, well, it was a one-time event. Great. Nine or 10 years old. You're a lot older than that. What's the big deal? Well, it turns out I have something called hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating. <clears throat> Some people have it in the hands, others in the feet, others in the underarms. And it's not something that we necessarily control. So it can and often does turn into a very embarrassing situation. My friends in that time, they reacted and they said, ew, that's disgusting, or ew, that's gross. Now, when they said that, and I felt those emotions, <clears throat> my brain started to think, I am gross, or I am disgusting. Therefore, there's something wrong with me. When those feelings and those thoughts start to come in your head and they're unresolved, then they start to attempt to define you a little bit. And they start to make me think, I'm not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, nobody will love me. So with all these thoughts and all these emotions in my mind, I went through life trying to have a normal life, quote unquote, right? So I would, I mean, I couldn't just stay home and not be social, right? So when I went to these group activities, or if I tried out for a play, or if I was on a sports team, or if I was on a date at a dance, whatever normal life thing I was trying to do, I always had to try to hide this part of me. I didn't want anybody to discover that I had excessively sweaty armpits because I knew what would happen. People would laugh. I'd feel embarrassed, humiliated, this, that, and the other, and it wouldn't be cool. 
So I turned to what I've learned to call coping mechanisms. People call it all sorts of different things, a release, a way to feel better, whatever it is. But I turned to what I call a shield of success. I, was, I did my best to be great at everything I did, okay? In music, sports, school, work, church, friends, whatever, I tried to be extremely successful so that when people thought of Ben, they would think Ben is amazing. Ben is great. Ben's a leader. Ben's so cool, yada, yada. And I said, yes, I prefer that they think that of me instead of knowing something else. But here's the interesting thing. I was talking to a friend of mine and she said, Ben, you don't let anybody closer than arm's length. I said, yeah, you're right. Because if they do get any closer than that, they'll discover something about me that I don't control and that I'm not proud of. And then that deep human fear comes and it says, then if I'm not good enough, nobody will love me. And my shield of success gives me that feeling that people do love me because of all the thing, great things I do, right? So also this shield of success turned, it didn't resolve my emotions. It just shielded them, right? Those emotions were still there. So in times of loneliness or other times of stress, those emotions would come up and I would try to bury them in other ways. I even entered the world of addiction to try to see if that worked. But as most people know, if they've ever entered that world, those are only temporary pleasures that certainly don't help in the long term. And it, it just really adds to the self-loathing, okay? And those types of emotions. So my goodness, I went through all of these things and I started to think, well, what to do about it? Finally, a couple of years ago, I was working with my therapist on a number of other things, but I thought, I wonder if I could tell him about my emotional pain and maybe he could help me through it. Now you have to remember, I had hidden this part of me for 20 years. Not even my mom knew how much this had affected me. So I went to my therapist ready for him to laugh and for me to feel all these embarrassing emotions. I went in very defensive. But I went in and I told him my story. And at the end, he said, thank you for telling me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're not going to react all the, in all the ways that my brain says you'll react? All my other friends did. So this was a first aha moment for my brain to say, wait a minute, maybe not everybody does react that way. Maybe there's a possibility that, it, that what I thought was true isn't true. Okay, interesting. And then my therapist helped me with something extremely important as far as the recovery and healing went. This is how you would heal an emotional part. Mm. He helped me go back to my nine or 10 year old self and imagine that I met my nine or 10 year old self right after this event happened. And I took myself to a safe place and I said, you went, you just went through something extremely hard and you have every right to feel the way that you do. But I want you to know that it is over, that you are loved and that you're going to do some amazing things in life. Now, again, when I said this to myself, I said, baloney. How can any of that be true? I don't feel loved. My emotions say absolutely not. Why would anybody love me? And it's certainly not over. I still deal with it today. How can any of that be true? So I had this battle in my mind. But the therapist had me repeat this exercise a couple times until my brain started to be reprogrammed and started to disassociate the memory from the emotions. And I started to believe, okay, 
I can be loved. I have done a lot of good things. It is over. That event was in the past. I don't need to relive it and relive it and relive it. Uh, again, a principle that I've learned is that the brain can't tell the difference between something vividly imagined and something that is real. It, it seems the same to it. So if I'm reliving this event from nine or 10 years old, that scar is being opened up and opened up and all those emotions are being felt again. Here's another interesting thing that I learned. We can't selectively choose which emotions we feel. If we want to hide feelings like sadness and depression and anger and embarrassment, at the same time, we will hide or repress happiness, connection, and joy. How interesting is that? Here's an example. My therapist, he said, in the last 10 years, I want you to tell me some good memories that you've had. And this was prior to the exercise where I disassociated those feelings. I was like, well, I don't know if I have any good memories. <laughs> You're like, well, how is that possible? And it had become another coping mechanism for me. If any part of my memory was bad or I felt it was negative, whether it was a mistake or I just didn't like how it turned out, I would try to delete that memory. And at the same time, I would delete the good memories. But as I went through all this, like I said, I was able to finally experience the emotions that I had hidden for years. Yes, I cried. Yes, I was scared. Yes, I was embarrassed. But because it was in a safe environment with somebody who could help me through it, didn't judge me, helped me strengthen my logical side of the brain, I was finally able to leave those in the past. What used to be a ghost that haunted me is now an ancestor that I can learn from. Mm, that's a great analogy. I really like that. And so moving forward, uh, what are some ways that you've used this ancestor to better your, yourself and those uh, with, with whom you connect and those whom you lead? Sure. So again, it's how you see and how you associate things. <clears throat> so for example, I still have hyperhidrosis, right? It still affects me today. But instead of, anytime that possibility comes up, instead of having these horrible emotions come back up, I can think of, okay, that's an ancestor. It's still a part of me teaching me something. Instead of remembering all the horrible things, I can remember all the cool things that I've learned. And now I can help others with what I've learned. Yeah. So... Um, Everybody goes through emotions. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you find in your childhood. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But regardless, maybe something happens at work or with your relationships, with your friends. One of the books that I absolutely loved reading was How to Raise an Emotionally Intelligent Child. It talks about how things are stated and how things are received. A parent with every good intention has their child come home from school and their child had just um done a science project okay and their science project bombed did not do very well the parent in its good in its uh, good intention says oh it's fine it's not a big deal it's just one project you'll be fine trying to care for them and trying to teach them that yes this is part of life you have to deal with things that don't always go your way yada yada but if the parent doesn't address the emotion then what the child hears is your emotions aren't valid how you feel isn't important. And now the child thinks, I'm different than my parents. I can't relate to my parents. I need to go find something else that 
helps me understand my emotions. Mm. And that explains a lot of disconnect. I'm like, wow, parents with all sorts of good intentions, try this and it's not working. And I'm not here to say parents don't know what they're doing. They're doing their very best, right? Mm-hmm. It was just something interesting that I noticed. If we start in, with this kid in the science project and we say, my goodness, I bet you feel disappointed, don't you? I bet you feel sad, maybe a little nervous or whatever the emotion might be. Then the kid says, yeah, I do. Now I know what to name my emotion and I feel that my parent is an ally. They understand me. I can turn to them the next time I feel an emotion. Then there's the difference of what happened to me versus this child. And again, I'm not saying anything my parents did was wrong. I'm just saying if I had brought it to my parent and we had talked about it, then maybe this wouldn't have been such an emotional scar over these years because I would have had an ally. So this is something that I learned from this ancestor of mine to help others. Many people simply because they haven't learned how to understand and acknowledge their emotions, they feel like the emotions have power over them as opposed to us having power over their emotions. Do you want me to keep going? I have lots I can say. No, uh, no, I, I was just was just really uh, ruminating on what you what you were saying, and uh, as you were speaking about, uh, you know, the process that you took to, you know, realize how to use these emotions rather than to suppress them. I remember uh, recently someone said that mental health is health. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people like you said earlier people, you know, somehow have this stigma of mental health because you or emotional health that you can't see it. Well, it's just as important as physical health, because as you also stated that if you're avoiding something, you know, because of a pain or, you know, or, or a trauma that that takes you away from something else. And in your case, if you say, if you went down a different path and said, well, if I sweat so much while I work out, I'm not going to, or play hard, I'm not going to play hard anymore. Well, that could affect you physically because you're not going to get the exercise that you need. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate how, how much you are advocating for mental, you know, the, uh, I guess, just the the importance of mental health being addressed that if you are sad or if you're depressed or if you have you feel that you need to talk to someone talk to someone mm-hmm. you know because you're right we guys love to put on the armor and yeah. you know like like you had said about physical scars i could go all day talk about my physical scars mm-hmm. but you know those emotional scars are tough to you know to get out of people and mm-hmm. so I look on the screen and I see you have your uh, website and your Facebook page and your Instagram page. How have you used your message to reach out to people and to share this uh, important message of yours? Well, you know, I, mainly in the podcast is where they hear the details of the story, but otherwise just quotes or min, mini stories, some way to get it in people's minds that emotions are real emotions are valid. You don't have to judge your emotions based on the invisible book of life that tells you how you should feel. Everybody is individual and you simply need to understand and acknowledge your emotions and that's okay. So here's one other thought that came to my mind when you were talking. With a physical injury, our body is designed to heal, okay? 
So our body tells us a message. If it's hot, it's going to say, hey, that's hot. You don't want that. Or if you're hurt, it's going to say, hey, you're hurt. You need to heal. Okay, so it says you need to pay attention to this area of your body because something's not right. Boom. It does the same thing with emotions. The problem is we don't always see that we're bleeding. We just feel something. We don't quite understand what it is. So that I was about to say trick, but it's a learned skill to see what the injury looks like, to understand what the name of the emotion is. Because when we put a name to an emotion, we all of a sudden put a barrier on it. And now it's controllable instead of this invisible force that overwhelms us. And that's what I do in a lot of my posts is I say, here's how you do it. Here's what anger means. Here's what anger is telling you. Here's what sadness means. Here's what it's telling you. You're not a bad person for feeling angry. It doesn't mean you have to go kick a wall down or hurt somebody. It simply means that um, maybe you're not being heard or maybe it's trying to teach you what's important or with sadness. Maybe it's uh, telling you that you need to slow down and you need to connect with somebody. If we can understand those, then we no longer feel bad about how we feel. We simply see it as a part of life and say, yes, my body is trying to tell me something. Let me slow down and listen to it, and then I'll feel okay about it. That saves us from more hurt of self-loathing, self-hate, and all that kind of stuff. That's what I try to teach in all of these uh, posts so that people can know that when they understand and acknowledge their emotions, they have power over them. It's a much better way of living. Another quote that I love is, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your emotions. Mm. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that because your emotions are like, if you were to use a car analogy, or like the gas that powers your body. You know, based, you know you, if you feel sad and you feel downtrodden, you know, your body is going to react in that way. You may not want to work out. You may not want to talk with people and, and, and get and engage in those actions. And so, you know, having control over your emotions, not only as children, as we try to teach our kids to not, you know, over, you know, uh, act out because of anger or what have you, but as adults, especially having emotional control is vitally important to be a productive member of society. And mm -hmm. so I did see, uh, Ben, that uh, I guess recently you were part of a virtual conference or yes. something of that nature. Uh, please, I want, I want to hear about that, how it went and everything. Sure. It was called the Courageous Self Summit. Um, it's a neat thing that I've really learned recently. Networking and meeting other people, connecting to other human beings is extremely valuable not only for business, but for your emotional health, right? So I was reaching out to fellow speakers and I said, oh, it looks like we speak to the same kind of group like young adults. Um, we both have a passion for what we want to share. Getting into conferences is a little bit more difficult because of the pandemic and everything going on. So why don't we create our own? What? Right? <laughs> and then another post that I made the other day is, you can do a lot if you don't. No, you can't. I love that quote. I, I remember uh, you had said it before and uh, I, it, when we talked previously um, and I just really appreciate it. I want you to say that one more time, please. You can do a lot if you don't know you can't. I think, uh, I think a lot of people, they freeze when they realize or they think that they, you know, that they can't do something because they don't know all the steps. Yeah. But if they go out and try it, you never know. 
Um, it, it resonates with my with me, especially because uh, a few days ago, um, my family, you know, I, and I went to see my brother and his family, and we taught my daughter how to water ski. And she, she was very hesitant at first. She's one of those uh, kids that if she thinks, sometimes if she thinks that she will not do well at it, she won't do it. But finally, we said, it's the final day, sweetie. You know, it's either this or you wait till next year. Well, of course, it was one of the waviest days that we were at the lake. But mm -hmm. still, she, uh, she got up on all skis. Uh, the first time, she squatted the whole time. But she was above the water, and the right. next two times she stood up. But you know, it's if you don't know, you can't do it. Who knows? You know how far you'll go. So I love that quote. Yeah. So, so in that conference, we talked a lot about courage. This idea of what exactly what you're saying, and an example is, um, a lot of times we are afraid of doing something, simply because of a lot of unknowns. But then because we feel that fear or that anxiety or whatever you want to call it, then we say, well, I can't do it. And I'm immobilized. But there's always power to this. We, our thoughts control our emotions. Therefore, we can control how we feel. And then we can do a lot of amazing, amazing things. With the summit, we had never done any of this. None of us had put on a conference. We didn't know if you had to wait three years to do it. No, we just said, <laughs> we're going to do it. And we didn't know the technology. We had to upgrade a few things. We had to test a lot of things. We had no idea. If anybody would show up, but we said that we feel good about it. We want to share a message. And if nobody shows up, then at least we got a good practice, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this idea of emotions and how everybody, this can apply to everybody. If I'm feeling nervous about doing something anxious, okay, pause. Here's a cool experiment that I learned from one of my coaches. Pause and think, where am I feeling this emotion? And he did this with uh, a, a person he was helping said, where do you feel anxious? And she said, well, down here in my stomach. Okay. Then he talked to her more about what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a public speaker, more comfortable with doing that in front of people because she really thought she had a message to share. And as they talked and got specific about what she wanted and how she felt about it, yada, yada, she decided, actually, I'm, I'm kind of excited about being a public speaker. And he said, okay, I want you to tell me where you feel that in your body. And she says, well, it's in my stomach. Oh, the same place. huh?" <laughs> so really, if we can learn to strengthen our logical side of the brain and say, okay, I know where it's feeling or where, where the feeling is. Am I calling it the right thing? Because anxiety or fear or nervousness, very related to excitement. Our body is trying to tell us this is important. You want to do well. So prepare. It doesn't mean, ah, it's too scary. You should never do it. It's just trying to give you some help and if we do that then we'll be a great speaker we'll be a great person on the water we'll be a great whatever we're trying to do that is so true and again uh you just hit on something that we uh addressed uh with uh, another child of mine uh my twin uh my boy twin uh to my daughter uh he was said he i'm, I'm really nervous and i said well is it nervous scared or nervous excited he goes mm -hmm. excited and I said, well, then you're excited. You can say I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And he said that and said that and said that. And then he got right up too. And Huge. so I, I, do, I do agree with you wholeheartedly that being able to specify what emotions you're feeling will help you control those thoughts. Yep. And so that's fantastic. Do you have any other 
conferences or big events coming up in the near future? Hmm. I will probably end up planning another conference. I don't know when or where, but okay. I enjoyed it and we need to get the messages out. Um, I'm speaking at some conference in Canada in next weekend. This idea of if we can overcome our emotional barriers, then we can step into our purpose in the kingdom of God is, is the title of the one there. Excellent. And then great news. And this is, it can be applicable to everybody. A lot of things that we do are marathons and not sprints. Sometimes we say, I'm going to work hard today. I'm going to get the result tomorrow. Sometimes that works, but many times it doesn't. So simply as I was consistent in posting on LinkedIn and all my social media, somebody reached out to me and asked me to speak in February. I'm like, that's exciting. Very cool. And it might actually be a live event. You never know. I know. That's the plan right now. Well, cool. Well, well fantastic. Well, I'm excited to learn about your escapades and your triumphs as the time goes on. Um, and as people can see on the screen, uh, you can be found at benedenspeaks.com and then facebook.com slash group slash champions of self and instagram.com slash benedenspeaks. And so Ben, as always, it's a great pleasure to talk with you. And I have one last question. My audience always wants to know, what is your favorite dinosaur? Oh, great question. Mine is a Brachiosaurus. Ooh, I have not received a Brachiosaurus yet. And why the Brachiosaurus? Well, for those who don't know, that's the big long neck one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a huge animal, but it also seems to be docile. So at one time, you know, it's just there to enjoy life and not make problems, but it's also powerful enough that if it needs to do something, not even the T-Rex will mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, thanks, Ben. I greatly appreciate your time. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye now. Hey, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ben. If you want to reach out to him, you can find him on Instagram at Ben Eden Speaks. You can also look him up under groups on Facebook at Champions of Self. And his website is benedenspeaks.com. As always, I humbly ask you to like, review, and rate this episode. Subscribe to the Scar Bears podcast and share it with anyone who you might think would appreciate it. Also, please visit my website, chrisdtgordon.com to see what I have to offer as a professional speaker. Also, please visit my YouTube and LinkedIn channels at Chris D.T. Gordon and Instagram at, little circle A symbol, Chris D.T. Gordon. Thanks again for joining me. Please have a great day. and Remember to pass on perfection and go for greatness.